Some of you all know this. I um, became a Christian when I was 16 years of age. I was a regular kind of teenage lad growing up and started, started praying because uh, I was worried about stuff. I just I didn't know where to go with it, and I just prayed. And then I thought, flip, I better start going to church. And I went to the local Church of England church, most beautiful, you imagine, kind of quintessential-looking English church, big churchyard, and all that, just really nice. And I went, and I was the only young person there that would have gone on the Sunday evening. And I went often to confess my sins, if I'm honest with you, and, uh, and just pray. And, and, and we, we, I started doing that for months and months, and I gave my life to Jesus, meaning I prayed the prayer, and, um, and, and I would have practiced spiritual disciplines. I would have started reading my Bible, and I would have done that on a daily basis in the morning, and I would have prayed, and, uh, and, and life began to change for me. God began to change me from the inside out. And, uh, and, and that was that, and that was great. And then after about a year or so, I went along to another church with a friend of mine that I used to play football with in the school football team. And I'd heard lots of things about this church. I'd heard it was a bit um, lively, shall we say. And they, they did things that were kind of a bit goodness, that's a bit out of the ordinary, but I was interested, and I was intrigued, and so I went along, and I remember from that Sunday onwards, never looking back, because their expression of worship was similar to the way that we've just done worship, like, I went and stood at the back as part of our worship, and plus I went to go and get this stall, because I've got sore legs, and and I stood at the back, and I, honestly, it was just wonderful. Not just to see hands in the air. You don't have to stick your hands in the air. That's just an expression, an overflow of what's going on inside or your expression, whatever it might be. It was the noise, it was the sound, and it was the expression of the overflow of what God's doing in us and through us. And, and so we worshiped like that, and I thought, there's something going on here. And then at the end of the service, they used to do this thing called ministry. And I was like, what is that? When people would often come to the front as we would do and we would model. And at first, I was intrigued by it. I wasn't ready to dive in. I wasn't ready. I, didn't, I hadn't plucked up enough courage yet to kind of make those kind of few steps out and position myself and allow a stranger who I didn't know to come talk to me and come lay hands on me. I wasn't quite ready, so for a number of weeks, I just watched and learned, and I saw, and I was like, oh my word, what is going on up there? And then after a number of weeks, I was brave enough because I was intrigued, but I, I also felt like I knew God was there. And I went, and I, I chatted to this person, and they said to me, what's your name? I said, I'm Paul. Who are you? Oh, I'm, I can't remember, Johnny. What would you like prayer for, Paul? And I'd say, well, I don't really know. Just, just pray. They said, that's great. And they prayed, and well, I tell you, it was like 
what Stephen Gowdy did during the worship. He turned on the big speaker down here, and then suddenly it was like, whoa, there was power. And I had received power. I had received, and I had encountered the living God in a way that I'd never done prior to that moment. It's like, yeah, this is good. We'll have some of that. And what I really want to share this morning is helping us to understand the person of the Holy Spirit and his personality. I'm going to take a whistle-stop tour through the scriptures, and then what we're going to do at the end is we're going to pray, and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Many of you were here in this very room last Sunday evening, and, and we did that. It was the most incredible and wonderful thing as we received from God through each other. So what I want to do is just conclude our teaching series, uh, Teach Us to Pray, by teaching and talking about uh, prayer ministry. Prayer ministry simply is um, partnering with what God is already doing for the sake of another person. It's blessing what God is doing. Sometimes it's just simply a blessing. Sometimes it's a, an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's we receive healing from him through us. Sometimes God comes to convict us of our sins. Sometimes he, um, uh, when we lay hands on each other, we're imparting a spiritual gift to another person. And there's, there's so much in the book that we don't have time for, but I want to take us through uh, just a few things to put things in context and also to allay any fears that we're just making this up. It's in the book, and here it is. Uh, Jesus often prayed for other people, and he often used his uh, hands as he lay hands on others. So in Matthew 20, uh, a blind person, Jesus stops and calls for him, what do you want me to do for you? asks a question. He asked, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them. That's important, that he has compassion upon the person. When we pray for another, we are drawing alongside and we pray from a posture and a position of compassion for the person in which we're praying for. Then Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Another example, man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The sick woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, he didn't touch her, she touched him. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding, they're pressing against you. Jesus says, but someone, someone from around touched me. I know that power has gone out from me to another. And then another one, the soldier, um, who I love this bit. In the, when Jesus gets arrested, Peter draws a sword and he cuts the, the ear off. I think it was the, um, the guard or one of, one of the chief priests, dudes that had come. And he cuts his ear off. And Jesus, only Jesus in that moment, uh, says no more of this. He touches the man's ear and heals him. 
just wonderful moment given the context of what was happening. Jesus often asks what the person wants when they come for prayer. And there's some sort of conversation there. Jesus often uses touch. And it's something that we do when we pray for each other as we lay hands on another. And often when it comes to just simply, uh, if it's just a real general blessing what God's doing, we probably just tend to appropriately place our hand on a person's shoulder, sometimes maybe on their chest, high up. Um, If we're praying for healing specifically or a specific body area, then we may, after having the conversation of consent, say, would you mind if I place my hand on your knee? That's always quite good and appropriate to do that. And then we may lay our hands on uh, the particular place which actually needs healing. Jesus was one man in one place at one time. And his part of his um, mandate or his uh, coming was to not just demonstrate the kingdom through signs and wonders. It wasn't just to proclaim the kingdom through his words. It was to impart that to his 12 disciples, and he did that. He was training them. They were apprentices from day one, his disciples. And so uh, we read in Matthew 10 that Jesus sends out the 12. It's like, you've been around me long enough. Now go and have a go by yourselves. This is going to be fun. And he kind of sits back and watches And they go. Jesus called his 12 and gave them authority. That's really important that we understand that word. Jesus gives us authority. If we're a believer and the Holy Spirit dwells and lives inside us, he has given us of himself authority to drive out impure spirits to heal every disease and illness. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. As you go, proclaim this message. So the proclamation through words, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus is imparting his authority What's entrusted to him, he gives away to others. Now, very briefly, this is a whistle-stop tour, the role of the Holy Spirit. If uh, I I often say this, John's gospel, it's it's recorded in three um, areas there. Jesus, before the cross, helpfully uh, uses words and language for us, for them at the time, but for us to understand the role of the Holy Spirit, the personality of the Holy Spirit, and his unique relationship with the Father and the Son to help us understand who he is. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we might hear from the Father and the Son 
and do what Jesus says is do only what I see the Father doing. As we partner with the Holy Spirit, as we lay hands on other people, we are trying to listen to what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is saying on behalf of the person in which we are ministering to. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit blesses. The Holy Spirit speaks what the Father and the Son is doing. The Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28. Jesus says to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And I am with you always to the very end then the transition from the end of the Gospels through to um, Acts of the Apostles. Uh, some of Jesus' last words to his disciples in Acts 1 says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, this is post-cross and resurrection, Jesus gives them the command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had taught, and it's those passages in John that we read about, about the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to them, before he ascends, he's saying, wait, wait, you've just got to wait in Jerusalem. Soon I'm going to go. I'm going to ascend and be with the Father, and that's what he does. But wait. Continue to pray, continue to gather, continue to eat together and, and sing songs of worship. But wait, wait, wait for the gift. The gift is coming, he's coming. And then we read in the next chapter in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, when they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Later in the same chapter, and later as the Holy Spirit begins to break out of that room in which they were meeting and broke out right across the city of Jerusalem, Peter stands up and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Going back to my earlier story, when I became a Christian and I prayed the sinner's prayer, which isn't in the Bible, I surrender my life and I invite God to come live in me. And I believe at that moment the Holy Spirit enters. I had not experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit until a year or so later. And I know for many of us here, I'm preaching to the choir. You've been around this for years. And I know there are some of us, this is new to you. And it's wonderful and it's exciting and it's real and it's God. And the Holy Spirit didn't just kind of pass away with the disciples. You read Acts 2 and you read Peter and James and John. They did the stuff. They raised 
the dead. They healed the sick. They did the, they did the same things as Jesus. But it did not die out. It's for us for today. And we are called to do it. And it's the most exciting thing. Everyone gets to play. Every one of us. If you're a believer, if you want to be part of this, God entrusts us and invites us to lay hands and pray and see his kingdom come through us to others. It's the most exciting and wonderful thing. And COVID, let's be honest, really, really prevented us from doing that. It really did. And and what I found so exciting and so encouraging last weekend was unashamedly and freely we just went for it. And we just prayed. And we just went around the room and we blessed what God was doing. Tomorrow night, I would encourage all of you to come. I know that you won't which is good because we're going to be in 29 and we can't fit you all in 29. But some of you will come. And it doesn't matter if you've been around this stuff for years or you're brand new to this. We'll do a little bit more in-depth teaching of, of specifically how to really pray for other people. But do you know what? The most basic and easy way of learning is just from doing. I was... 19, I think, years of age when I first started praying for people. I was at a youth camp, and um, the young people, when they were younger than me, they were kind of, I don't know, 13 to 16-year-olds, and there was a ministry time, and people were standing. The Holy Spirit was coming, and you could just see the Spirit just resting on people. Help me. And uh, the guy that was leading it said, Paul, go and pray, go and pray. And I was like, like a rabbit in headlights, like, what do you mean go and pray? I don't know how to do that praying stuff. He said, just just, go, just, just go. Look, see that one over there? Just go and stand beside them and just, just put your hand on them. That's what I did. They said, oh, Paul, Paul, remember, keep your eyes open. That's really helpful. I go, well, why? Surely you pray with your eyes shut. That's what we do, isn't it? No, 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 you need to see what the Father is doing. You need to watch. You need to be attentive. And by the way, don't pray loads of words. Just just keep it real simple. Just, just say more, Lord, or come, or bless what you're doing. Or actually, don't say anything. Just be with them. And just in your heart, just be praying that God would meet with them. Just do that. I could do that. Let that's anyone could do that you see often we think we've got to have it all together got to have all the ducks in a row no sin for at least five days prior to this sort of stuff and we think we've got to be of a certain gender we think we have to be a certain age or what it's a load of old rubbish the qualification is that you're a believer and rightly or wrongly what I'm about to say I have seen there are times when people aren't even believers praying for people who are let's just come Lord just bless what you're doing and watch and see what the Lord does it's the most exciting thing and I'm looking in your eyes right now and some of you are like come on shut up Paul let's get on and do it and some of you are like oh Paul it makes me feel so uncomfortable I just want to get out. 
get my picnic, get to marine gardens. I'll even play volleyball. Don't dip your toe in the water. Jesus invites Peter, walk on the water. Come on, he's the only one who got to walk on water because he was prepared to get out the boat. 